0: In December 2011, then Federal Chief Information Officer Vivek Kundra announced the federal government's Cloud First Initiative, in which agencies would default to cloud-based solutions whenever a secure, reliable, cost-effective cloud option exists. Hello, I'm Eric Chamber of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss the two-year-old initiative, I'm pleased to be joined by Karen Evans, who was country's predecessor at that job, officially known as Administrator of the Office of Electronic Government and Information Technology in the White House Office of Management and Budget. Welcome back, Karen. Thanks for having me. I'm
1: excited to talk about this today.
0: You co-authored a just-published report entitled Staying safer in cyberspace cloud security on the horizon for the organization known as SafeGov, a forum of IT providers and industry experts who promote trusted and responsible cloud computing solutions for the public sector. In the report, you state that the federal government has taken judicious steps to protect federal networks from nefarious cyber attacks and promote the dissemination of best practices for cybersecurity. But at the same time, you write that the federal government also has embraced mobility as a means to conduct work from any location. But until now, you say the implementation of these initiatives has been fragmented and lack coordination across federal agencies. How so?
1: When you start looking at some of the implementations that are happening, when you look at the administration's initiative, so they have the Cloud First Initiative and they have the Data Center Consolidation Initiative, and then you have these cross-agency priority goals of which, cybersecurity is one of those. And you look to see the solutions and you're talking with the industry about what agencies are asking for. You can see what they're really trying to do is meet all the objectives, but they're doing them incrementally and separately versus trying to look at the overall objective and integrating these solutions together to get to that cost-effective outcome.
0: Why would they not look at them jointly?
1: What happens a lot of times is is that you're being held accountable for different deadlines on different initiatives. So your team that you have in charge of it is very focused on achieving that one particular outcome. So for example, one of the things that the agencies are responsible for is the initiative called the Trusted Internet Connection, which the purpose of that is really to be able to monitor external traffic coming into your internal network. The idea is, okay, you're going to reduce the surface area of attack. That's really the basic premise of it. Well, the agencies are supposed to be working on their telecommunication solution, doing the, the transition from their current solution providers over using solution providers from the networks, and this is, ends with an X contract to GSA. But if you're following what's happening with the GSA contract, you'll see that they GSA has actually missed a lot of the cost savings that were predicted because agencies aren't moving as fast and transitioning their services, which means that the outcome that you wanted, reduce the attack surface space and monitor the traffic coming back and forth, is not necessarily happening through the trusted Internet connection. And so that's one. Then you have a cloud-first po- uh, policy going forward. What That initial whole thing about it was to say, okay, when you look at tick and then look at cloud, the cloud services really technically should be considered external traffic. If that's the case, then how you monitor the traffic, how you do things would be different than if you consider anything that you do in the cloud as internal. This is why the National Institute of Standards had to really go through and define private clouds versus hybrid clouds versus public clouds so that you could do these two things together and then realize the efficiencies. What has happened is some agencies, as they've deployed, they've taken some things that are cloud services, put them behind the firewall, which is actually really defeating the purpose, and so they took a real big hit on performance because they're routing all of that traffic back through a single point of failure.
0: Because you read in your paper, you offer it as a framework, to integrate cloud and mobility programs to enable the government to realize the economic, technological, and mission effectiveness benefits of cloud computing services while simultaneously meeting federal cybersecurity framework. Is this what you're just talking about or is this something else?
1: And that's part of it. This paper goes a step further than our initial paper, which was talking about measuring what matters most. And it builds off of that concept, but it gets down into some really technical specific types of things. The idea of mobility, right? One of the other initiatives of the administration is bring your own device to work. So that's the mobility piece. To implement mobility, to allow people to have access no matter where they are then you have to implement and you have to think about security in a very different way it breaks the paradigm a lot of people are still operating under i can actually create a perimeter you really can't create there is no perimeter anymore the perimeter is very porous so if you try to engineer a solution for mobility or bring your own device you have to go back to some really basics and that's what we talk about here which is creating an architecture and architectures have been required in the federal government since 1996. There's a lot of work that was done to put those frameworks together, and now you have new technology and new services on top of that. But you have to really go back and say, what is my 2B architecture? If I take into consideration that I should be authenticating individuals because I have a policy on two-factor authentication for remote access, I should be authorizing them to hit to different services. I have to implement cloud services and take into consideration the effect of that. I have to have mobility. I have to really take and implement the trusted internet connection, which is allowing me to really monitor that traffic. And then I have to look at my data and say, where should my data reside? Should my data, this particular data, reside internally or should it be external with the cloud provider? And if it is, then what risk level should that data be? Who should have access to it, and then what kind of evidence do I need from the cloud provider to show that they are meeting, and then I'll introduce another program, is the continuous diagnostics and mitigation program that DHS has put in place.
0: Well, you made a series of recommendations. Let's go over each of those four that you made. Let's start off with one in which says that you want to have the Federal CIO Council's Information Security and Identity Management Committee adopt an issue an integrated network architecture to address administration priorities. What's the thinking behind that proposal?
1: That would really work and would really help both industry and the agencies if this overarching network diagram, network architecture was issued. I'm not saying one solution fits all because What you would have to do is kind of harmonize that across the board and say, here's how you take into consideration HSPD-12, which is the Identification Authorization, the Credentialing Initiative. Here's how you do the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program that DHS has put in place. And here's how you're going to do the Trusted Internet Connection, which is implementing and putting in certain software and diagnostics so that you can get that information from the provider. it in a way that's integrating that at the network level so that they know when I'm looking at this and I'm going to put out a proposal to now transfer over my network services using these contracts that are available, that I have a diagram that I can say, oh, and I can drill down from that and say, this is specific what I need for my agency because our risk is higher. Something different for Department of Justice versus Department of Homeland Security versus Department of Education, that they would have specificity within that architecture, but you need to have this integrated architecture that takes that as well as other security initiatives that the federal government is working on as a whole so that you can see how it is. And, and the key part is, I said, and issue it. And the reason why I'm saying issue it is, is because private industry needs to see how this all works. There's a lot of questions that have come up through our SafeGov forum about what does the federal government actually mean about this? And if they're trying to do data center consolidation and implement cloud services, those go hand in hand. Well, of course they should. If this is issued by the Federal CIO Council, then that allows private industry to see that general thinking and then bid back solutions that meet that and allow for them to show their innovation, how they can drive down costs while still meeting the risk posture of each individual agency.
0: I guess what you're showing is how important private providers are for the government to be able to execute properly on safe computing.
1: Absolutely. And if they understand they see that architecture, then they can show how their products, what niche products fit in there, how things work. You know, this kind of jumps right down into the second recommendation of the FedRAMP Joint Authorization Board. Because if you see that, that board is working well to what they do is accredit cloud providers. When you look at it in the traditional sense, people are thinking of it as infrastructure as a service and software as a service. When you're looking at your product, and you're trying to figure out, do I need to go through the certification or not? Well, you do. And now there's a government date that's out there that's June of 2014 where agencies have to certify back to OMB and to DHS that their cloud implementations are FedRAMP compliant. That means that those settings that they have set, uh, they have gone through great detail on the technical settings in order for a provider to demonstrate that and become certified by 3PAO. Our recommendations have been to build out that capability and the capacity of the three PAOs so that industry can get their services and get their infrastructure. And then the other part is industry is going to have to look at each other to determine who they should partner with because if you're a software provider and you partner with a hardware provider who's already been through the FedRAMP process, you can rely on that certification, and then you just have to do the delta of the change. But that takes a strategic partnership between those two industry providers. This is building off of things that are working and trying to build out that capacity so that you can get that reliability in the security services.
0: And just to be clear with FedRAMP, is a is vetting process where vendors can be certified, in fact, one for a certain products or services, and then they could be used by various government agencies. Right. You were specifically mentioning having the providers provide uh, penetration testing. Specifically mentioned that. Why that one?
1: What you really want is independent people doing the penetration testing. So this is us getting back to measuring what matters and having an independent third party like the three PAOs doing that, but doing it in a way that's jointly agreed upon between the government and private industry. It's one thing to go through the certification process. And the FedRAMP office, the three PAOs, continue to do scanning and look at log files and then send that over, but it's still only in near real time. So what you want to do is, especially in the case of two of them have partnered, so you, have, you bought a software application, so you bought a service that's residing on hardware, that's, both of them have been certified by FedRAMP, well, now that it's operational and your users are using it, what you want to do is go in and do penetration testing in the operating environment to make sure that things like Target that just happened, right, Neiman Marcus, all of these other things, that in the operating environment, that those controls are still in place, they're still operating that they're detecting things, that they can mitigate them quickly, and that they are doing it in the operating environment.
0: And just to be clear, for those who may not know it, 3PAO stands for third-party assessment organizations, and these are the independent organizations that assess the vendors. You call an OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, and the Department of Homeland Security, to collaboratively develop and issue metrics that inspectors general can use to assess the effectiveness of cybersecurity measures in the reporting process of the Federal Information Security Management Act, the law that governs federal government IT security that requires these annual audits. Why is this needed?
1: Because this is probably still one of the most controversial areas in, in FISMA because the inspector generals have to evaluate the agencies on an annual basis. OMB issues the guidance of how those are supposed to happen. What also happens, though, at a high level is is that they say that they have to use the National Institute of Standards and Technology Publication 853.
0: These are the security controls.
1: It, and it's a large publication. What happens is is that an IG can evaluate against a certain set of security controls that aren't necessarily the ones that match up to the way that the agency has actually implemented security controls in the 853. We're making this recommendation that they should be very specific, similar to the critical controls, so that a baseline gets established in an agency as agency leadership changes, as IGs change, you have this baseline that everybody agreed upon, and you can measure the progress against this baseline or the lack of progress against the baseline. That's what they're attempting to do under the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program, but you have to get the IGs to agree that that is the metric. Those are the baseline controls that we're going to measure against, and then every year we'll build out upon those controls and then still measure against the baseline, but then measure the incremental improvement. To get them all to agree that it's the same metric, the same control, the same way you're going to measure it, then that will allow you to have that picture across the board about what is the federal government's risk posture. Right now, you can't really make the comparison across the board because IGs measure differently in each and every department.
0: Finally, uh, SafeGov recommends that the OMB and national security staff should ensure that cybersecurity planning and architecture efforts of the CIO Council's Information Security and Identity Management Committee and the Committee for the National Security Systems are aligned whenever possible. In addition, OMB and the national security staff should hold agencies accountable by assessing their progress toward fulfilling agreed upon cybersecurity requirements. This isn't being done now.
1: It is, but what you want to do is just go a step further. So some of the work has already been done, which is the, and this is the Committee for National Security Systems. So some of the initial work was done to make sure that systems that were accredited through CNSS, so those are national security systems, and the methodology that was being used is the same methodology that the civilian agencies could use that would match up to the security controls in the 853. What we're saying is, okay, if you do this integrated architecture and you have these cross-agency goals and now they have these plans and you have a series of plans, You have the data first plan, you have the open government plan, you have the cloud first plan, you have your TIC implementation, HSPD-12, you have all these plans that they all need to be integrated, and then holding the agency accountable to those due dates that you have in there.
0: It seems that what you're proposing doesn't require any legislation. That's right. And I'm wondering if that's because there's just no need for it, or is it because, uh, as we've seen the past five years or so, it's hard to get any kind of IT security legislation through Congress.
1: And we made the recommendations based on not needing legislative changes, that these could be done based on, and, and it's actually building off of the existing policies and administrative priorities, the administration's priorities out there, and then trying to get a comprehensive integrated architecture so that people say, oh, that's what they really mean by that. Oh, I can see that initiative.
0: Thanks. Karen?
1: Okay. Thanks.
0: I've been speaking with Karen Evans, who co-authored the report for SafeGov entitled Staying Safe in Cyberspace Cloud Security on the Horizons. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.